recognizing that expectations, when circumstances change, expectations have to change. And I know that that's really, um, can be really, really difficult for people, but we have to at some point, like sort of get past what, what those original expectations are and try. And I think part of it is like not taking it personally. Circumstances aren't personal. Most of the time we have to sort of step back from that, taking it personally and be ready to go, okay, well, things have changed. Let's talk about what those expectations should be going forward. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knabel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of Rebel Heart Radio. This week, I got to go solo to talk all about navigating adult friendships with my friend Sarah from Study and Flight, and it was such a needed conversation. We talked all about how hard it is to make friends as adults to how hard it is to maintain friendships as life changes throughout the years and graduating from college and motherhood and all of these shifts that we go through and have to kind of redefine those friendships and change expectations and really get really, really good at communication. And so this episode was so needed and such a great discussion. And I'm so glad that Sarah was the one who was able to join me for it. And Sarah, you guys need to go check out her work. She's an incredible designer based here in the Pacific Northwest. She's an entrepreneur and an amazing musician. And she launched a product-based business back in November of 2015 called Earl Grey and Polka Dots. And then this last year in March of 2018, she launched a line of products called Steady in Flight that were dedicated to her friend Lisa, who she lost. And after Lisa passed, she, Sarah was really able to find meaning and celebration and true friendship in this beautiful line of products that she created. And the response she got from her community was amazing. And so it made her really shift her entire focus of her product-based business to celebrating friendship. And she created this collection actually that recently launched, I think about a week ago, that fosters friendship, hope, love, and belonging. And I love the idea behind her shop. She's got gorgeous soy-based, non-toxic, of course, people, wax candles, and uh, gorgeous mugs, and this amazing rose gold travel mug and you can buy things in a set as like a friendship set and send one to your buddy and then you can also get them individually of course as well and so Sarah really tells us all about the concept behind that line and just the shift with her entire brand in this episode and then we also of course jump into those nitty-gritty details about navigating adult friendships and if you guys continue to listen through the end of the episode you will get a discount code that Sarah has provided 
provided to just you guys, our listeners. So thanks for listening to this week's episode and we hope that you love it. Welcome everyone to this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. We're so excited to have our girl Sarah here from what used to be Earl Grey and Polka Dots, but now is Steady and Flight. So Sarah owns a product-based business that does beautiful stationery and mugs and all sorts of things, but they are so thoughtfully curated with this kind of concept of friendship in mind. And I'm so excited to talk to her more about friendship today. So today we're going to jump into navigating adult friendships because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like ever since I graduated from college, making friends is real freaking hard. And no one's talking about this. Why is no one talking about this? It's something that I've struggled with a ton. And I think as I grow as a person, I know I've figured out that I'm not alone in this struggle. I, I thought it was just me. I'm like, it's just me. I'm just, I suck at this whole friendship <laughs> thing. Um, but the real, real is that like adult friendships require more time and effort and those things are both really scarce in in our lives as we as we age and we take on career changes and children and uh, all sorts of things as our lives change and we move. And I think it can be so difficult to maintain adult friendships, but we also know how valuable they are. Uh, and those long term friendships can be something that brings so much stability and comfort in those times when we really, really need it. And when you have someone who's a long-term friend, you spend hours, I mean like hundreds, maybe thousands of hours together over however many years. And you go through all of those difficult moments in life. So we need these close friends. So we need to figure out how the heck do we find them? How do we keep them? And how to navigate all this stuff. So Sarah, welcome. So glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I want to just like put my praise hands up and say, amen, sister. Like about <laughs> all the adult friendship stuff. It is, it is, that's what you like, it, exactly as you said, like navigating it can feel like you are literally in the middle of the ocean and you're like, I have to get somewhere and I have no map and I have no compass. Like I just feel lost in the sea of adult friendship. Yes. 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 So true. Well, tell us more about, about you. And about Steady and Flight and all of the exciting things coming for you. And then we will dive into this hunk of a topic. Absolutely. So hello, my name is Sarah. Um, I started a business called Earl Grey and Polka Dots in what well, launched in November of 2002. 15. Wow, that is a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I launched it then. I started working on it early that year and that's when I finally launched. I, you know, took online classes to learn design. I have no background in design. Um, I have no like my and I do have some background in entrepreneurship. I run another business, which um, was my first business I opened six years ago, which is an um, in-person uh, voice and piano lessons, mostly just local kiddos and a few adults here and there. And I love that. Music is my first love. It will always be my first love, actually. And I should be more specific. Songwriting is actually my first love. I have an album that came out in August of 2000. 17 and it's called just something to believe you can find it on all the places um, but you have to look me up under my maiden name which is sarah morris um but this beginning this business of teaching voice and piano kind of lit my entrepreneurial fire and then earl gray and polka dots came along and it really truly you know how you just can't 
you just can't know until you see the steps. Like all of a sudden you look back and you see how all these steps led you to this moment. I don't think I really knew why I was starting the business back then. I was like, I want to have a pretty Instagram feed because look at all these people with beautiful Instagram feeds. That's what I want. Um, And I want to like create beautiful products that people are excited about. And it's become so much more than that. And so Earl Grey and Polka Dots started and I was mostly creating stationery to begin with. Um, And then over time I've added mugs and notepads and... um, prints and candles were my bit like bestseller besides the mugs last year my essential oil and soy wax only candles and so non-toxic I know right (laughs) I would love to do a beeswax one eventually but man let me tell you beeswax it's a beast we've made our own beeswax candles before and it 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 makes a mess Mm -hmm. it's also extremely expensive like like for a production side of things like I can get soy wax for considerably less like like a fifth of the price or something like that. I mean, it's insane. So someday we'll do some high-end beeswax candles for all y'all that are willing to spend 50 bucks (laughs) on a candle. So, (laughs) oh goodness. Um, but yes, so Earl Grey and Polka Dots uh, has, has sort of kept me going. Um, I've been, I've been growing the business little by little and especially last year, 2018 was a huge year for me. Um, I created a new, collection called Steady and Flight in honor of my best friend Lisa who died in 2017 and that collection exploded my business and also exploded my heart with sadness and happiness at the same time and um this at the end of the year I got felt the nudge and sort of um I believe the divine call to change from Earl Grey and Polka Dots to Steady and Flight so that's sort of like in a nutshell um, as nutty of a shell as I could create small. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, when you launched Steady in Flight, and I remember reading the first post that you did just telling Lisa's story and what inspired the line, I literally, I was crying, first of all. <laughs> and we always talk about this, like our grief cycle is really mm-hmm. similar because yes. I lost my dad in October of 2012. And like, man, October... It's just, it's rough. And then the holidays, those are rough too. Mm -hmm. No matter how much you love them, it's when you lost someone you love, who you were so close to, it's really difficult. And I think when that came out, I just was like, this is going to be the future of her business. And I didn't tell you that. I wish I had told you that, but I didn't tell you that. And I, I just kind of waited to see what, what happened. And sure enough, here we are at your, your relaunch. So I'm excited for everyone. You guys, uh, when you're listening to this episode, Sarah will have launched her brand new brand, Steady in Flight, with a limited number of items in her shop. So make sure you hop on it and get your shopping done. And we will obviously post all the links in the show notes to find her, both her music and the shop. Uh, but let's dig in. Tell me more about your friendship story with Lisa and kind of that difficulty in navigating adult friendships since her passing. Because there's this whole process, right, that happens when you lose a friend. And I've lost friends, not not to death, but to um, just circumstances. And you feel like you have to not necessarily replace someone, but find a, a new bestie or whatever. And I feel like there's so much pressure in that transition, too. And so anyways, tell us more about Lisa, how you yeah. guys met and, and everything that happened. 
Well, I met Lisa. This is kind of a weird story, and so and it's it's a bit convoluted. So I've tried to simplify it. Basically, Lisa was the guardian of a girl I went to middle school with. So Lisa was twenty years older than me, and this girl that I was friends with in middle school, I eventually went over to her house and stayed with her and met Lisa. And like the first night we met each other, she I think a little bit fell in love with me in the like we were so similar uh there was a moment where that was they didn't have a dishwasher so they were dish- washing dishes by hands and I grabbed my hand and I grabbed a bunch of soap suds that were on the top and I put them on my head and I just like was like I am the soap sud princess and it was just like crazy seventh grade Sarah which by the way I'm not that different um <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like I would not still really. see you do that today definitely and we I think that was she she talked about that for years afterwards that that was the moment she knew that I was going to be someone special like not only in in her um, daughter's life but in her life and she so that was like the first time we really spent time together and then over a period of about like two years I she and I got closer and closer and unfortunately the girl who um, she was the guardian of eventually did leave her home and grew up somewhere else and eventually they became they came in contact again and they became very close and she was still like a daughter to her but there were like seven years where it was just Lisa and I and Lisa was sort of grieving that she couldn't have children and so this person was like the closest thing she had to a child except maybe me and and I think that's where this loss has been so much I mean there's it's hard to compare losses I don't want to like necessarily say that but it was a little bit more um complicated because Lisa wasn't just my best friend she was like this very maternal figure in my life and so it was almost like losing a mom even though I have a wonderful amazing mom and dad I have lovely parents but it was a little bit like losing a mom in my life as well as a best friend and so in that way it was just kind of compounded pain and um so so we we just we were those friends I think we've all had these people where we could go weeks or a month without talking to each other or seeing each other. And it was like, we'd get together and there was as if time had not passed in between those times of seeing each other. She was the person she, um, she, she had a lot of health issues, some of which we knew about, some of which we didn't. And one of them was she had Turner syndrome, which means instead of two X chromosomes, she only had one. Um, and part of that is uh, one of the things that happens with that particular genetic condition is that she had hearing loss. So she only had like 20% hearing in one ear and then the other ear was like 5%. I mean, I'm giving you percentages, but it's something like that. So we would text each other a bunch. That was a big part of our, our friendship. And we quoted movies a lot. We were both really into South Park. <laughs> Which sounds super <laughs> cheesy and terrible. The first time you told me that, I was literally like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's because, I, you know, it's one of those funny things, where, especially if you go back. I haven't watched South Park, to be fair. I haven't watched any of the new stuff, like, at all. But in the beginning, it's, I mean, it's such good, like, sort of parody, right? They're, the things that they're talking about, they take it to the extreme to point out the things that we do as a society that are kind of ridiculous. And so we used to have all these really, like, totally probably inappropriate little quotes we would say to each other from that but then our other favorite was um the wedding singer and that was the one that we quoted probably the most throughout our entire um friendship and so I saw Adam Sandler's uh he did an amazing stand-up thing on Netflix 100% fresh highly recommend Mm -hmm. 
but know that Adam Sandler also he's not a clean show so if that's for you like that this isn't for you <laughs> um, <laughs> here's the disclaimer but at the end he sings he sings a song about um Chris Farley who died and I already started to cry a little bit and then after that he sings the I want to grow old with you song oh my gosh I was just a puddle so because that's from the wedding singer anyway okay so Lisa and I were friends for 20 years, and in September of 2017, we found out that she was having some significant liver failure, and that story in itself is complicated and really upsetting, but basically, eventually, we found out that she had a second genetic condition we didn't know about, and I can't pronounce it. In some ways, I think I've avoided even knowing what it's called because it took my best friend from me, and... So, but basically it's a, it's one that um, affects people and it makes it so that your liver or your lungs basically can't regenerate the way that they normally could. So if you drink at all, eventually your liver is going to fail. I mean, even if you don't drink, uh, that's possibly an issue. Um, or if you smoke. Oh, absolutely. If you're yeah. exposed to toxins, I yes. mean, which we all are we all, all are. the time. Mm-hmm. Yep, our liver's on on active duty all the time. So if it's not able to regenerate, even if you don't have any of those habits that can affect your liver mm-hmm. health anyway, it's gonna it's gonna cause liver failure in the end. Exactly. Yes. And so um so about six and a half, seven weeks after we found out she was sick on a Tuesday, she died on the day she probably would have gotten on the transplant list. And that like does that does not escape my notice how pretty crazy that is that she died on that day um and her death was a huge beautiful terrible tragic awful and amazing thing that has happened in my life and it has caused me to be not a completely different person but it takes away the fear that you often feel um, as a, just as a human. Like, I'm afraid to put myself out there. I'm afraid to make mistakes. I'm afraid of what people will think of me. Maybe everyone else doesn't feel that way, but I used to feel that way all the time. And these days, those times are fewer and far between because what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst has already happened on some level. Like, what's, I could die, but... I'm not going to die from somebody thinking that I'm stupid or thinking that I made a mistake or making a mistake isn't going to kill me. And so on that level, I think death has been such like a clarifying thing for me and then also made me recognize how how much I weight I put into this friendship and in friendships in general. And as you were saying, like when we lose a friend – I even I read this book it's like how to go on living when someone you love dies and it's beautiful and amazing and um, one of the things I talk about is that that person will never be replaced but there will need to be someone who comes up and like sort of fills that spot that that because it's like you're you have to think of your support system right and if you have a hole in your support system you want to make sure that you fill that it's never going to be this like that person it's never going to be the same person but it's going to be um another person to support you and so that part's really hard though that's the part that I honestly kind of hate a little bit is knowing that literally it's like a hard and wonderful thing. I'm so glad no one will ever fill her shoes because it means that she was right. Not like a dispensable person, but also no one will ever fill her shoes. And that's like, you know, like pain in your gut and in your like chest, like that, that they'll, no one will ever be her. So it's like comforting and painful at the same time. 
I feel like that's friendship in general, but then you add the layer of loss to that and it's amplified even more. Yes. So tell us more about how Study in Flight was born. Yes. Okay. And about that concept of the anchor and the hot air balloon. Yes. This is this is where I get really excited. Um, so I was married in Sweden, of all places. My husband has family there. And Lisa was amazing. She came to Sweden. She and her husband came to Sweden for my wedding. And getting ready for my wedding was kind of also insane because of the paperwork. Like there's certain paperwork things that you need and nobody can help you figure out what they are in what state you live in. And Sweden is, you know, they speak English, but um, not as well as they speak Swedish. And so it's, it was just difficult. And so she even rode with me. I had to drive up a couple of different times to Olympia, Washington to get like the paperwork I needed. And then it was the wrong paperwork and I had to go back and it was super stressful. And so it's part of the reason um, why I called her my anchor, but also just all the things she was in my life. So the night before my wedding, I gave her as like her wedding party gift an anchor necklace and just said like you're my anchor you keep me grounded I tend to be a person who runs in a million directions and she sort of rooted me in my purpose and my desires and when I would start to run too far in a direction that didn't seem like it was serving me she was that beautiful anchoring person who said what what is it about this thing that's making you run in that direction? And is it really what you want? And she was so fabulous at that. And so I told her all of that and she was very touched. And during her matron of honor speech, she said a a bunch of wonderful things. I wish I had a recording of it. But one of the main things that stuck out to me was that she said, if she was my anchor, that I was her hot air balloon. And I helped keep her uplifted and keep her sort of seeing the good in life, which is just who I am as a human and um, help her see the good in things and keep her sort of moving forward where she was that rooting presence. I was the uplifting presence. So that is how steady in flight. So, so that's, that's when we, we started using those interchangeably. We would text each other and, you know, I'd say, that's why you're my anchor. And I put the anchor emoji in and then she'd send that balloon emoji and, um, and then she died and I was one of two people who wrote a eulogy for her and in her eulogy I was writing about that particular story because it was a true representation of our friendship and at the end of it I wrote this line together we are the perfect balance of steady and flight and it was like a seed had been planted in my heart in my mind in my spirit and it just sort of like bounced around there for a while. It was it was uh, early November um, when I think we did her service. She died October 24th. And it was a couple of weeks later that we finally put her service together. And so I that seed just sort of bounced around and bounced around. And I was in a mastermind with Brienne um, of Brightly & Co. And I said, I, I have this idea. I think I'm going to make this friendship collection. All I had was that I knew I wanted it to be about friendship and I wanted it to be anchors on hot air balloons. And then the first thing that came to me was friendship mugs, like friendship necklaces of the 90s where you buy two, you keep one for yourself and give one to your best friend, but in mug form. So you would have an anchor and a hot air balloon mug and you buy the set and then you keep whatever one you are, like I'm the hot air balloon, and then give the other one away to your best friend. And that's how Steady in Flight was born. 
I love that story so much. <laughs> it's so it's so unbelievably poetic too that I'm just over here being like, this is you in your song writing, <laughs> like creative element to have something, you know, we all go through really difficult times, but to have such a beautiful, such beautiful things to say um, and write about. And I love the descriptions of each type that you put on the mugs. And secretly, I hope that there's some version of that coming back. In the yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have updated the friendship mug so that the design is slightly different. And on the front is an anchor or a hot air balloon in gold foil. And then the back has the, excuse me, the word hot air balloon or anchor. And it has a definition of what an anchor or hot air balloon was is. Mm. And last year when they first came out, it was a little bit more like definition sounding. And this year I've made it a little bit more personal. I wanted to update it. So it felt a little bit more, um, like when you were reading it, it didn't feel just like something you'd read out of a dictionary that it was a little bit more like tangible and personal. So Mm. they are coming out, um, in mid April when, when these things launch, which I know this podcast will come out after that. So they are in my shop right now. Right now. <laughs> right now. Steadyandflight.com. Really lucky if they're not already sold out. It's true. <laughs> I do have limited quantities and I did sell out of mine last year, which was amazing. So yeah, so the the anchor and the hot air balloon, I think it's what's amazing about it has become language for other people to use to talk to their best friends. And I think you mm. kind of touched on that too, like to have something so to have such lovely things to say about our friendship, this is actually like the heart of why I created Steady and Flight and why I've moved in this direction. I have almost no regrets about my relationship with Lisa. I knew how she felt about me. She knew how I felt about her. When she died, there was no like, there was only, I mean, there's always things left unsaid, but there were never those things left unsaid. There were mm-hmm. never like, mm-hmm. I never told her how important she was to me or what she meant in my life. Like, that was so clear. And I think that's what this steady in flight, the whole company now is about, is about you and your best friend or your mom or your partner or even your coworker. Like none of those people, if they were gone tomorrow, would like, would they know what you think of them? Or if you were gone tomorrow, what you, how you love them. And that's like the, the deepest heart of this is no regrets, hashtag no regrets, but in like the best <laughs> way possible, like don't have any regrets about these friendships. And that's why the adult friendship thing is such a, you know, heartbreaking and um, difficult thing to navigate because how do you do that? How do you make it no regrets? And for some people, Mm. it's really easy. For that relationship, super easy. She and I were just connected. We'd been friends for 20 years. We understood each other. We spoke the same language around our friendship. But when we meet people when we're older, right? Or we have people we knew when we were younger and we grow away from each other. Those things aren't quite as simple. So that's sort of Well, and that. every, yeah, everybody has different expectations. Mm-hmm. And it's so rare, even if you have different expectations, to have a relationship that's so cohesive because of that level of clarity mm-hmm. that exists. And not necessarily like having to define it. And maybe that's the beauty of it. Like you don't have to define it. It just is like an understanding between you. But sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, that's been a huge struggle for me is really honestly finding friendships where, you know, you've got that give and take between both friends and you understand the changing seasons of life and everything that comes. I mean, you know, my, all my friendships changed after I had a kid, mm-hmm. all of them. 
whether I wanted them to or not. Yeah. And some became stronger and some became more distant. And, you know, we all have those kind of life events that will pull, pull and, you know, pull us closer together or Mm -hmm. pull us further apart. And navigating that is really difficult. So I'm excited to jump into this stuff. Thank you for sharing Lisa's story with us. I know that's not always an easy thing to do, but I think it's just so beautiful. Thank you. What came out of your your heart and your mind after going through all of that and creating something so beautiful with steady and flight so I'm excited thank for you. all the new well, I always say things coming I think Lisa like I wouldn't I would trade all of this to have Lisa back obviously that's a huge <clears throat> thing for me like recognizing that that these are all gifts of her death that I had like no control over obviously mm, and I'm going to use them wisely I recently wrote a um I wrote I run a, a blog which you'll be able to find on my website um that's separate from my regular website and it's called Dear Nancy Love George and those were nicknames we had for each other I called her Nancy like Nancy Drew and she called me George like Nancy Drew's best friend George in the books and um I wrote a whole a whole like blog post about this recently like this is my shot I am it's like the Hamilton I'm not going to throw away my shot um, because like her death has given me an opportunity and I'm not going to waste it so that's why steady and flight is my jam it's my jam I love it it's very clear that it's your jam (laughs) (laughs) okay so what I want to talk about first Mm -hmm. is navigating friendship after college because I feel like that was a hugely transformative time for me to, I made a lot of mistakes in my friendships during that period of time. And I disappointed a lot of people, I feel like. but it's, it's all learning, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say n- no regrets, but like minimal regrets. <laughs> sure, sure. But one of the things that I, I struggle with personally is I'm a very like tangible. Are you in front of me? Do I see you on a regular basis? I really struggle with long distance friendships, mm-hmm. period. And it doesn't mean that there's no caring and love there. I just really struggle to maintain those relationships. And sometimes I feel like for maybe it's just for me or for everyone, it's it's not possible. Like the, mm-hmm. the full maintenance of that is is not very easy. Yeah. And so when I left college, you know, in college, it's like this, like, first of all, I went to a small private college. And so you're in close quarters yeah all the time and Josh and I got married our first year of after our first year of college so that was like a transition in and of itself because people you know some people understood sure us getting married at 19 and some people didn't and so that kind of divided the friend groups out at that point which wasn't that big of a deal because most of those friends I had made during my first year of college so it was like well we haven't been friends for that long if this if you take issue with this like this is my life so so yeah, but <laughs> moving through that after college was so hard because I had a few really close friends that kind of, they went back to their home state or pursued a career or a graduate degree in another area. And especially with going to Linfield, everybody went to a graduate program after graduating. Like that's sure. what you did. And, and we graduated in 2008, which meant there were no jobs. Yep. So you go to grad school, like you go to grad school. Amen, sister. And so... Yeah, I went off to grad school in Colorado. Some of my closest friends moved to all all over the country. And I mean, at that point in life, like you're bootstrapping it. Most people don't have a lot of extra funds to be flying out to see their friends and all sorts of things. And, and travel wasn't a huge priority for us. I was heavily invested into my graduate program. My husband was working a couple of jobs like we were living in Colorado. And so, you know, a couple of my friendships, I mean, nearly disintegrated. And there was a lot of resentment on their end toward me mm-hmm. because I didn't do the work to maintain those friendships yeah. 
Um, and I think some of those were meant to um, kind of reblossom and be be changed and repurposed and changed expectations. But I'll never forget one of my closest friends in college. We had to sit back and she had a conversation with me where she was like, hey, like, why why haven't you been here for me through these difficult mm. times? And it's I'm like, it's not like I don't want to be. I don't know how to be from yeah. a distance. I don't know how to be there for you from a distance. I'm not a phone person. I don't talk on the phone much, which has changed a lot sure. over the last several years. But I used to struggle with that for sure. Um, but a lot of it was me just saying, hey, like I know we were incredibly close when we were together and in person. But I need you to lower your expectations for me. Because even if I'm going to step up my effort, right, which was totally called for, you got to lower your expectations because I can't be whoever you think I you need me to be. Right. Like, And that was so hard for me to say. And I thought I was going to lose a couple of these friendships, but they actually just ended up turning into something different because we were able to have that moment of clarity that was like, kind of a coming to Jesus moment. It's like, are we going to continue to be friends or are we not? And I feel like most adult friendships, you don't have that clear conversation when things start to go south. And it was important that we did. And I'm so glad that we did because yeah. we're still friends now. But yeah. Talk to me about your experience like after college. Yeah. Well, I think you've touched on a few things that are so important. And I think this is the struggle because when we graduate from college, we're what, 22? I, I went to an extra year of school because I didn't choose... I was like, I'm not going to do music. I'll do something else. So it took me five years to get out, to get through school once. I was like, <laughs> no, definitely. I'm definitely going to get a degree in music. And um, then I transferred. So it was just easier to do it. And so I graduated in 2009. So I was 23. And yeah, I think the thing is, is that we're, I think in some ways we're almost, and I'm not trying to talk down to anybody, but it's like all about perspective. And I think at 22 or 23, it's very difficult to change your expectations around your friendships when you're used to them being a certain way. And mm. I know that I think you and I, because as we um, have discovered, I think we are different in friendships in that way. And I tend to be the one that like goes all in and has those high expectations. And that just was such a struggle for me to adjust to being like, this is, it's just not feasible anymore. And so I have a friend group, um, kind of a funny story. I won't go into all of it, but we call ourselves the Shoipk. And it's an, an acronym that stands for the Sisterhood of the Outer Inner Beauty Club. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is very silly. You, this is next level. Like you name your friendship group. Actually, I do. This is my second friendship group that's <laughs> named. I have another friendship group from high school. We just met up this last weekend and we called ourselves the Sexies, but with an extra X or extra two X's, something like that. It's just like the Sexies. Um, very silly. Very like 16, 17 year old girls, you know, like thinking they were wonderful. So so my friend group from college, there are four of us. And initially, right after school, I moved back to Vancouver. I, we were we were all going to school in Monmouth. Um, well, three of us were, and another one went to a different college, but locally. And so I moved back to Vancouver, Washington, and the other three moved to Portland. And so we were all like really close still. And we would one of our things about our friendship is we would do sleepovers like as adults. It's the best, by the way. I still it actually is the highly best. recommend like <laughs> if you can even as a mom, like get away once a year and do your like sleepover time with your girlfriends. 
I mean, we would just like cuddle and hang out and watch movies and we would basically talk until, you know, all times of the morning. But that was still, it didn't feel that difficult. We saw each other probably once a month. Like it wasn't, it was different because when we were at school, um, my friend Becca and I were super, super close and Caitlin. And so the three of us all went to school together. And so they would be at my house like almost daily. I had a little apartment to myself. I was the only ones that had like, um, didn't share an apartment with anyone. So they came over constantly, hung out with me and my cat. Like it was amazing. And so there was a small adjustment period. We were still seeing each other really regularly. Well, time goes on. I get married. Another person gets married. Another person gets married and everyone moves. And all of a sudden, you know, we're all living in different places. Um, I'm still living in Vancouver. Another friend is now living like in Gladstone, which is a lot farther south than Portland. Another friend is living in Dallas, Oregon, which is like almost where we went to college. And another friend is living in Eugene. And it's all of a sudden we're spread out. And my expectations of our friendship hadn't really changed well enough. (laughs) And I remember being so frustrated because I thought I would be the one to send the email and be like, we have to schedule a time to get together. We have to figure this out. I miss you guys. I Mm -hmm. need you. And oftentimes it would take weeks to get everyone to commit to a day. And then by then it's like, well, that day is coming up. Like, is it for sure everyone can be there and who has rides and who's able, you know, who's able to host and what should we bring for food? And I remember being really, really frustrated. And then one of the gals got pregnant and had her first baby. And that, as you've talked about, changes also changes everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that that big thing around out, out of college is, and I would say if anyone is listening who's in college or who's just out of college, like I think it's like anything. I think in any relationship, if the circumstances change, your expectations have to change. There's just yes. no way around that. And even like me, like die, die hard, like I'm going to be your best friend and we're going to talk all the time. And it's going to be amazing. I remember just being so angry and so feeling like I'm the one doing all this work. I'm the one who's making sure we see mm-hmm. each other. And that's just who I am. And I know you guys are Enneagram people and I'm a two. And so that's part of, you know, my desperate need to be like in community with these these women and especially because when we are together like all the other stuff falls away they are Mm. so incredible and they are the people like when you can just be yourself when you're with them like so fully yourself and so I think that's been a huge shift for me is on my end being on the other end of where you are the recognizing that expectations when circumstances change expectations have to change and I know that that's really um can be really, really difficult for people, but we have to at some point like sort of get past what what those original expectations are and try. And I think part of it is like not taking it personally. Circumstances aren't personal most of the time. We have to sort of step back from that taking it personally and be ready to go, okay, well, things have changed. Let's talk about what those expe- expectations should be going forward. Yeah, that transition was actually really tough for me because I'm an Enneagram 8. So mm-hmm. I don't keep a lot of close friends anyway. Like that's a vulnerability issue for me. And my close, close friends, like they are ride or die. Nobody's going anywhere. But also I still am not super giving of myself in those relationships. Or maybe if I am, it's in places of protection and um, giving and obviously like being there for the big moments um, when I can. But I'm a very... I think a lot of people think, and especially through college, thought 
we were close friends sure. or thought they knew me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they knew me being transparent. They didn't know me being vulnerable. Sure. And that's something that I'm just learning about myself now, which is really interesting. So a lot of the friendships that I've had over the years are ones where folks think they're closer to me <laughs> than they actually are. Uh, and and I kind of allow that. And now there's a lot more clear expectations and, and things. And I'm always open to more of those. I'm always open to ex- like having more open real vulnerable friendships and I think that's actually become easier as I know myself better over the years but I was the opposite of this where like I'm the friend who stopped doing anything and I'm over here like why is everybody taking everything so personally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't do anything about my location or my finances and my ability to fly to a different effing state to see you so why are you upset with me about that I can't change it don't you think if I could afford to, I would be flying to wherever you're at to visit you as often as I'd like? It's not a thing. Like, I'm a 22-year-old married person who mm-hmm. just spent all her money to move to Colorado, and I'm still a broke college student. Yep. Like, this is still facts. Um, And so that transition was really tough for me because... I was on the other end saying, yeah, when circumstances change, expectations have to change, but it was never said, right? It was never, it was never talked about. It was never clear. And it was clear in my mind, but I, I don't think I could have articulated it at that point. I just knew everything was going to change and I was okay with that. Uh, but the rest of my friend group was not okay with that. (laughs) Well, and I think that's where this is like anything, like, as you said at the beginning, like, why is no one talking about this? Because how many people are graduating from college in just a few months? Or having a baby. Or having a baby. Or starting their entrepreneurial journey. Like that's something that really divides too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, let's talk about having a baby for a minute. Absolutely. There are you, I mean, you can still maintain beautiful friendships with other folks who do not have kids. Like you don't have to come in. And that was something I was really dedicating to making sure I didn't lose just because I was having a baby. Granted, my husband and I had a kid 10 years into our marriage. So we had plenty of friends who already had had kids and things like that. But but close, close friends, most of my super close friends didn't have a kid yet. But man, the level of flexibility and understanding that they offered me really allowed those friendships to persist. And I think, you know, it's, literally out there's been several studies out there that say that essentially women drastically reduce the amount of time they spend with their friends after having a kid like go from spending multiple like 10 15 20 hours a month with their friends to spending less than five wow and I think friends without kids just you you just guys you got to know like you have to be super flexible you have no idea (laughs) even if you're really close to them, how much of a shit show it is to raise a kid. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And that's just, that's the real, real, like I, I made sure to show up as messy as, as my real life was with my friends. So they saw not like, Hey, I'm struggling, please help me. But like, Hey, we're just trying to survive over Mm -hmm. here. Like my new full-time job is breastfeeding and I've never done this before. And this, if you want to see me, like you need to come over and come see me. Like, yeah, (laughs) this is how we see each other. So I think, you know, we, I think, you know, when we talk about having kids or transitioning out of college or all of these different kind of transitions that we can have through life, you know, there's always going to be one person in the friendship that has to give more than the other person and I think this idea of reciprocity it has to ebb and flow because 
I feel like there have been so many friends that I've not maybe not jive with fully or lost over the years because I couldn't reciprocate in the way that they could at that time. And even if I could do it later, and it's not about really making up for it, but it's, it's just about the give and take of a relationship. You know, when someone, someone needs you, you know, being there for them is, is everything. But if you already don't have much to give in the first place, that's really difficult. And I have some friends who were going through some really difficult times when I first had my son and I could not be there. I couldn't. And it killed me, but I just had to like deal with that transition. Mm. Um, and the same thing kind of happened when I started my own business, I would have so many friends who are like, all you ever do is work on your business. I'm like, yeah, it's the building years. Mm -hmm. I need you to just like understand that for a little while and get that. I love you the same. And we just will figure it out as we go, but I might have less time available. So I think that having those conversations, if you're someone who's having a kid, let me just tell you, if you've never had a kid before, it is going to take over your life Mm -hmm. and you're going to want to spend time with your friends and spending time with your friends outside of like being a mom and just being a human outside of being a mom obviously is incredibly important. You guys know how independent I am and how much I really value that. Um, but it's not always possible in those early days and, you know, being really clear with your friends and just saying like making sure I switched from being a person who showed my love a lot to saying how I felt a lot. And that was not a natural transition for me because I am not a words of affirmation person. I am with like my close, close friends. Um, but it was something where I was like, I'm just going to have to tell you how I feel because I literally cannot show you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have it in me. Well, I want to touch on a few things. Sorry, I'm making myself a note so I make sure I remember to say everything. So one of, one of the first things I want to say is that I remember um, – way before I was even like dating my husband, Lisa talked to me a lot about marriage. And I think this applies to all relationships. And I think we all need to get on board with this, which is it will literally never be 50-50 ever. Never. Never. And if you expect relationships to be 50-50, then you are living in a dream world and wake yourself up, sister, and know that it's going to be okay. But you have to recognize, I mean, in my marriage, there are times where it's 90-10. Both ways right? There are times when it's 60-40. Very, very rarely. I think almost never is it actually 50-50. And I think it's the same in friendships. And I struggle with this because over the last few years, I've gotten a lot better at understanding when other people don't have enough to give to me and sort of figuring out how to balance that out and sort of have other people I can call on if I need support, etc. But um, I have a hard time with myself with this. When I'm having a hard time, I have a hard time saying, I have too much going on and I can't be there for you right now. And that's a big struggle. But I think if we can all recognize that no relationship is 50-50, we're all going to just be happier people. And you're right. It might even be a period of years where you are doing a lot more in a relationship than your friend is because they have had a death in the family, because they've had a kid, because they've Mm. had crazy life circumstances, because their family is out of work. I mean, any particular reason hard things, good things happen, things shift. And it's okay if if in those moments too, you give what you can. And then that's also the end of it. But anyway, so that was one thing I wanted to say was like, there, there ain't no 50-50. Let's just be honest about that. Right. Um, number two is you said something about words of affirmation. And I do think this is another thing we should really talk about. Like we're really good at showing up and being like, blah, blah, blah. Here's what's going on in my life. But 
Have you asked your friends lately, like, what does support look like for you? What is your mm, love language? Mm-hmm. And how, when we are going to spend three months not seeing each other and we know it, what can I do in that time? Even if it's one thing, even if it's a written card or it's a, you know, a delivery of flowers or a, hey, like, I know you're busy these three months. Let me watch your kid for a night. Like, what is what is the thing that's is like, I remember I, um, Brene Brown said that term the first time, like, what does support look like for you right now? And that to me is like a game changing question. And I think in those moments when we know things are crazy or even when things aren't crazy, even if you just knowing our friends well enough to say like, what is it that makes you feel supported so that I can know when things are crazy for me, but I've got that moment, like how can I support you? How can I love you so that you feel that love language, right? You feel that that support and love. And like, why does mm-hmm. it, we make it so much more complicated because we want to love people the way we like to be loved. But there's something to be said about about figuring out those things. And then therefore, and then that's the other piece of that, logistically, scheduling it sometimes too yeah scheduling it is hard absolutely you definitely have to be I feel like in adult friendships you have to be so much more intentional Mm -hmm. about planning and prioritizing um but I think everybody involved have to realize has to realize like the sacrifice that the other person is making by being there and it doesn't matter where you're at like maybe you're in like the thick of growing your career whether that's like working for someone else or being an entrepreneur maybe you're in like the weeds of of like early marriage and trying to figure that out or the middle of marriage like marriage is always hard sure. let's be real <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe you're a new parent or you just had a second child whatever it is like those anytime you're stepping away from your life to invest in other relationships out of sight of your like general periphery sure it's gonna take sacrifice mm-hmm. you're giving up time with your family you're giving up time away from your job whatever that is and I think man like for me to be able to get together with my friends it takes a lot of intentionality yep. and planning and that actually pisses me off a lot I'm like I want this to be so much I want easier. to be easy where's the easy I want button this to be easy <laughs> and I, the interesting part of all of this for me and the moment you said asking your friends about how they want to be supported at different times in life and in French, I think that's so poignant because I literally ask every single one of my beauty counter team members that question. Like that's something that we navigate. I say, you know, like, Hey, when you get quiet or when life gets busy, what do you need from me? Like, do you want me to just give you your space? Do you want me to check in on you? Um, you know, there's this level of like flexibility in this relationship that exists and, I work really hard to set clear expectations in my business relationships, Mm -hmm. but I don't always do that in my friendships. And the ones where I have been able to do that, I mean, mostly it's just like all Genevieve all day because (laughs) she and I talk so much about, well, and with you and with people like Brienne, because we talk so much about like, what's your Enneagram type? Mm -hmm. What's your, what's your love language? So, you know, we did episode 39 a while back about relationships and marriage and we had the boys on our husbands and, we talked a lot about that feeding into the marriage relationship in that discussion, but man, I think it's really important to know your friends, Enneagram types and their love languages and, and ask them that question. Well, okay. If your your love language is words of affirmation, that's literally the last thing on my list. It actually makes me a little bit uncomfortable. (laughs) Like that's true for me. So, so like, what does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. And, and what, how are you best supported? I think that is so just, 
my mind is just <laughs> blown right now. I'm learning so much uh, from you. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I think it's something I've just struggled with so much. And I will say too, like walking through grief. And I think there's like, a, there's a couple other pieces to that too. Cause it's one thing to be like, Hey, asking your friends, like, Hey, what does support look like for you right now? Or how can I love you in this place? I think there's also the other half of that, of being honest when we need something and what that mm. looks like too, right? Like I had something I haven't been good about in the past. I've been really good about, you know, my friend Jackie, when Lisa died, she was like, hey, I want to bring you a meal. When can I drop it off? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's okay. I don't need a meal. Everything's okay. And I kept trying to pretend like I didn't need anything when I needed so much. And if I could have just said to her, Yes, mm. a meal is so helpful. Whatever you bring, we'll eat. Leave it on the front porch or whatever. You know what I mean? Like if I could have just said, yes, please. Yes, that would be wonderful. And yeah. instead there's that part of me that's like, no, don't don't need too much from other people because then they won't love you anymore, which is also me being a two 1,000%. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think there's something about that. I do believe that mm-hmm. we have responsibility on both ends, right? Like asking thank our you. friends and then also yeah, asking for what we need. Yeah, that's huge for me because... I I'm also bad at asking for what I need but that's also just me not being in touch with what I'm sure (laughs) that's a whole nother thing but I have become so frustrated over the years with friends who were like why weren't you there for me during this time and I'm like why didn't you tell me you needed me yeah like I can't read your fucking mind yeah so I'm on the other end of it going hey like those clear expectations yes they go both ways Mm -hmm. and they just make life so much easier in every single relationship you're in period amen oh my gosh I love, it. I okay. love everything we're talking about this is like I know, my like soul too. is lit on fire right now okay so I want to jump into yeah. like some of the complexity of female friendships and this is something you brought to the table mm-hmm. that you wanted to talk about um just that like you know the community over competition movement is something that both of us are incredibly um, inspired by mm-hmm. and moved by. And I think it's something that needs to be talked about specifically in female friendships. Yep. So I'm really glad you brought this up. So let's dig into this a little bit more. Tell me your thoughts. Well, I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is because I have not been good at it. And I just want to be like, when you talk about the real, real, this is the real, real, I started my business and I like other businesses that like would follow me that like and it wasn't like a follow on follow, like followed me because they were part of a similar, you know, uh, group on Facebook or whatever. They'd follow me on Instagram and I wouldn't follow them back. And I was like, I don't want to follow too many people because if my follow number is too big and then my followers isn't big enough, blah, blah, blah. And I just I resisted community for my business for like two years like literally two years. I had I had no idea I was doing it or why I was doing it until I got past it and I looked back and was like, well, Sarah of the past, what the heck was going on? <laughs> and I recognize now that it was this intense feeling of competition. Like if mm-hmm. I if this person gets more followers than me or has more sales than me, like if they do the thing I want to do, then scarcity. There's nothing left. There's for no me. room for me. Yes. Yeah. When actually it's quite the opposite. And you'll find me now uh, if you follow me on Instagram. It changed as of yesterday at Steady and Flight. Woohoo! I noticed that, that was super exciting. I I post a lot about my other female entrepreneur friends. I post. I buy their. I'm drinking currently from a Rachel Aline mug. I buy a lot. And of you mugs. sell mugs. I like, sell mugs. But there's room I, because I, her mugs is be different than mine. <laughs> I love it so much. And I see the same thing happen 
in the nutrition consultation community, mm-hmm. the nutritional therapy community, it's it's this sense of 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 scarcity that drives like if I if I like talk about what someone else is doing in their work or you know tag them on Instagram like someone's going to go follow them and then use them for nutrition counseling and not me and that's going to take a client away from me or whatever mm-hmm. it is or if you have the same uh products the same services the same target market any of those things right. and I'm like hey guys like everybody has their strengths you're not for everybody yep. everybody's not for you and we all need to find whoever it is that we're going to support, buy from, whatever. And we all have different points in our life in which we're inspired by different people Mm -hmm. and different things. Like it's so important to foster this idea of community over competition and really especially in female relationships. And this is, it's been a really interesting thing to see kind of shift in the beauty counter community. I mean, I will have people come to me and say, hey, like I learned so much from you and I'm not on your team, but just thank you. And I'm like, I don't care if you're not on my team. Like, dude, we're in the same mission. We are getting safer products into the hands of everyone. We are on the same path. We are putting this information out there in the same way, like anything I can learn from you and you can learn from me and and whatever. Like, yeah, I'll send people, people your way. Like this is, it's something that, I see pop up mm-hmm. because of that coming from that place of scarcity yes. in general, right? And when you approach it from a place of abundance, which is a process. Oh, amen. It's not like, it's not like we're all, all just, in that process con- continually, by the way. That's it. There's like, like no a, end point. It's like a you're self-talk thing that it. has to happen. Yeah. yeah. There's enough room for everybody. And here's what I see happen. When you lift up other people, when you lift up other women in female entrepreneurship, man, the results come to you in tenfold. Yep. No, because it's true. Not, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you're making yourself a beautiful resource and and showing people that you care about others like, as you should. This is a good thing. Well, and my business, the moment that I finally, I got plugged in at the beginning of last year with uh, Rachel, who I got the, the mug from. She did an online mastermind for product shop owners specifically. And I plugged in with a bunch of women there and that, and then Steady in Flight came out. I mean, I can like literally trace the support that I got from her, the support that I got from the other women all of a sudden. And that's my mind ship, my mindset had already shifted at that point mm-hmm. a little bit, but it just has continued. And I, I've seen my business literally explode because I'm, you know, because I'm, I'm doing something meaningful. And I think that there, people are like, hungry for this kind of content and this kind of these kinds of products but I think on top of that too I have such support I have women who are posting about me on different social media I have people who I mean Rachel's bought from me several other people in the group have bought from me like it's not just about sharing it's about you know we also purchase from each other and even just that I got I sent out the email about telling people that I'm changing my business name mm-hmm. and 90% of the emails I got back were from other entrepreneurs who were like, this is beautiful. I'm so excited for you. I'm so glad you're doing this. Like that, and that's what I needed. I was terrified to send out that email. Hey, you guys, by the way, Earl Grain Polka Dots that grew all of this, all these people and these people on my email list and on my Instagram, it's going away. Something's changing and maybe you won't stick mm. around. But, and that's what, you know, was really scary. And yet all of these women send me these emails of support or put messages on my Instagram when I, when I announced it there. And I think this is something that's like 
instilled in us, unfortunately, in like middle school, high school relationships, right? There's like, oh, well, if you date that person, then I won't be able to date them. Or I want to have this thing and you have it. And it's this, it's sort of bred into us, which is, it's like having to go back through and sort of purge yourself of those thoughts and feelings of scarcity that start for us women when we're, when we're really young. And I mostly wasn't catty with women once I kind of got past high school. I'm not going to lie. I was a little catty in high school occasionally. I mean. <laughs> but you can admit it. Oh, well, I mean, let's just be, let's the real real here, right? On Rebel Heart Radio, <laughs> like there's, there's no room for BS. So I was occasionally <laughs> catty in high school. I didn't want to be, I didn't like that part about myself, but there were times when mm-hmm. I was afraid that somebody had what I wanted. And, mm-hmm. but then I moved into the entrepreneurial space and I saw, started to see that in myself again, but in a different way. Well, scarcity like if they they have that thing I won't be able to have it and you you know and that's a natural thing I think as humans in general but that's a complexity that makes female friendship even harder and that's the thing we have to sort of rise above and it's where I like love like the rising tide is based on you know that society is based on that quote a rising tide lifts all boats and so as my business grows and I'm able to like then you know, share about somebody else's business and maybe helps their business grow. You know, like there's no, there's literally no downside and yet you feel like there is and that's built into it. So I think that competition piece of it, it's just something if you're not aware, like get some self-awareness said with love, but like start to recognize the stories you're telling yourself about yourself, but also about the other women in your life. Um, Whether you be an entrepreneur or maybe it's at your work or maybe if you're a mom, you're stay-at-home mom and it's the other moms, you know, that that mom shaming, which I'm sure is a whole other episode because that's that's like a whole thing. Um, But anyway, we look at other women. Genevieve and I could go go deep on that one. Yes. But anyway, we judge other women to make ourselves feel better or we feel competitive Mm -hmm. with them for how because they have what we want or we're jealous or all of that, none of that feeds us. None of that makes us more successful. And none of that creates good friendships. That's just seeds for sadness and, and death and despair. So, yeah. I'm, pra- I'm praise hands. Praise over here. hands. Like, oh, so good. So good. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I have to jump in and talk about some health benefits of friendships because this thing Love to it. me is so... This obviously, like I geek out on this stuff. I know you do. It's my favorite. <laughs> but it, it, dri- it drives a lot of, of these conversations for me. You cannot separate the health of friendships to your own like personal health. Mm-hmm. Having long-term friendships is so massive for your own longevity. There have been tons of longevity studies um, in the United States, especially a lot of them in Japan. Folks in Japan live a really long time. Um, and I was actually just talking to Josh, my husband about this last night. And he said that one of the big reasons why we see a lot more longevity in Japan is because when you first start school, you have like this little cohort that's like assigned to you that are your friends and they maintain those relationships for the rest of their lives. It's like this huge thing. And it's, I mean, obviously it's something that's kind of like laid out there and it's an expectation that you're a part of. Um, and hopefully those, those are more choices. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Moving forward. But I, I just thought that was so interesting. And, uh, studies like show that friendships profoundly impact your physical and your emotional health in a huge way. They protect us from depression and anxiety. They boost your immune system. They improve cardiovascular health. They enhance your memory and they actually improve your sleep quality. 
Um, and all of those things to me, like that literally, like that's the picture of health, all of those things, you need all those things to be in good working order. And I think for me, this is actually really good for me to see because, you know, I think sometimes I feel, I feel so different from so many people. I feel so, um, alone Mm. in what I, how I feel and what I do, like being an Enneagram eight, you kind of just tend to feel that way anyway. Um, but I'm just, I'm just a different breed of human and I'm not for everybody (laughs) and I've come to be okay with that. But I also use it as an excuse to keep people at arm's length. And to me, this is like, Hey, wake up call. Like you want a healthy life. You need to be bringing in and welcoming these beautiful long-term relationships. Um, and I think there's so much to be said. We have a group of friends. We're actually going on a trip to Europe at the end of the year. Woo, woo. Very excited. It's the six of us. So it's my my husband and myself and then uh, two other couples and our friends Laurel and Eli, which Laurel's been on the podcast a couple of times. And I grew up with Eli and then Dallas and Katie, who are a doctor and a farmer down in Southern Oregon. And they're all literally the most incredible people. Five of us went to high school together, which these are probably the only people I still maintain a friendship with from high school, but the amount of familiarity that comes Mm -hmm. with getting together and just, there's no, there's nothing like being able to show up completely as yourself in these relationships that you've worked so hard to build. And I think that's why adult friendships can be so hard because you spend so much time in that space of like superficiality and um, maybe it's kind of an unfulfilling relationship in the beginning because we all have these walls we put up and we only have room for so many close friends. And that's definitely the case with me. Um, and you know, we had our, our friends actually just came and visited this last weekend and every time we're together, we all like just spill our guts Mm -hmm. and exclaim something to the effect of like no other friendship feels this way. There's no level of familiarity that we have in our lives of comfort, of ease, of knowing that person's going to be there for you no matter what. Um, And I love that Laurel got to just like jump right into that and she fits perfectly in it. And she just started to be a part of it, which is such a beautiful thing. Um, But that's so, it's so hard to find. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, like when you find it, like that has not been difficult to maintain. And it makes me want that in every relationship. But for me, and I've talked about this a lot in previous episodes, we talked about like our toxic relationships episode, which I'll link in the show notes for you guys, but you know, about finding people who understand the concept of picking up where you left off and giving you time and space when you need it Mm -hmm. and just almost having no expectations for each other, (laughs) but being able to come together when you can and just enjoying that. And I think that really honestly has been born out of us. First of all, we all went to a different college. None of us went to the same school for the most part. Um, We all moved in different places after college. They spent a lot of time in other countries. We never visited them while they lived in these other countries with the exception of going to Peru a couple years ago. Um, But we've all found ways to like be together. And it's, you know, obviously we all kind of have the same home base. We grew up and we went to high school together. So there are times of the year, you know, Christmas time or whatever, where we're all coming back. Um, But it's just been so simple to maintain that relationship. And I'm just over here being like, why can't it be this simple with everybody else? Well, you have but the have history, so much, I think. Is that what makes so, it easier? We have so much history. Yeah. Um, 
and but it, it's it's hard you know you you have history with people and you think to yourself I think later in in life like if I didn't have this history with this person would we become friends now like that question is sure. always a really interesting one to ask uh, and I think with that group of people like the answer is yes, yes. like mm-hmm. that's the really crazy part of yeah. it I think the answer is yes um and it's ebbed and flowed for sure and you know there was a we're the only one with a a kiddo so there was a period of time where we were like hey (laughs) come see us if you want to see anybody this is how it works but you know it's you you kind of figure out through all these huge transitions in life who not necessarily who your true friends are but you know where that long-term longevity comes in and and how beautiful that can be but I've I felt the least stressed I've ever felt in the last couple of years this last weekend just being with these friends and I felt I felt that Mm -hmm. I felt I was like oh okay anxiety is down like depression is down I feel good like I had more energy and I was like this is so beautiful like why did I just I I never wake up with great energy like that's just something I'm working on in my health anyway but I went to bed super late because having been with friends till late and then woke up and had energy and I was like Mm. oh this is like a product of who I'm surrounding myself sure. with. So that was just a really big epiphany for me this weekend is just all of the beautiful like health benefits and mental health benefits that come from re- having really solid long-term relationships. And I think it's worth investing in new ones to hope sure. that those become part of that comfort as well. Well, I wanted to say too that I think some things that you're touching on, um, one thing I just you know, you were talking about how hard it is to be with friends after you have kids. And that's something I've been, as a person who doesn't have kids, uh, I've been very mindful about because I recognize how difficult it is. So in this group, these four of us, that my girlfriends from college, um, one of them has a kiddo now. And so the last time we were together was in February and we're getting together in April. Praise Jesus. We don't see each other as often normally and I'm really excited about it. I was like, that's pretty good. It is good. No, it's like amazing. Like I didn't expect that they would have time open <laughs> in that time, but we made it work, which is another thing I'm going to say talk about in a second. But when we got together in February, the, her, she had her baby in, in November. So when we got together in February, we met at her house. And we wanted to spend several hours together. So we went to her house where she could keep her baby and feed her baby and put her baby to bed like as needed, right? And then we got as much time with her as possible. And so, and I've tried to do that for other friends as well, like knowing that they have kids and it's hard for them to travel. So a lot of times I'll be the one to travel to them. I'll go to their house. I'm meeting up with a girlfriend for coffee, like, you know, in a few, I think next week at some point. And she's like, he doesn't do great now sitting in coffee shops. Can we grab a cup of coffee and go for a walk? And I was like, sure. You know, it's just being aware of those things. But the other really great thing that I did and I just want to put it out there's like a real tangible thing is I was feeling really frustrated still because of me my two-ness um I hadn't seen my girlfriends for a while and I was on them and I was like hey we're getting a date on the schedule I want to see you guys let's make this happen and I had been feeling like bad like almost guilty for feeling so frustrated that I wanted to see them and I was talking to one of them about it and they were like you're just so good at like knowing what you need and you need friends and you need time with friends and I'm really glad that you know what you need but what we decided out of that is I just didn't want to be the one to keep carrying that to be the one who has to pull everyone along so before we were done hanging out in February we all took out our phones and we looked at our schedules and we picked the next date and that has been a life changer in like multiple friendships for me is 
even because then there's there's still flexibility to move that around potentially with this particular group it's harder because there's four of us so we try to like pick a date and stick with it but I have Mm -hmm. a couple other people that I'm friends with that when I see them before we leave our date we put we put time on the schedule for the next date and then it helps me because I know you know with running I run multiple businesses as do you like it's craziness if I have it on the schedule, I'll be careful about how I schedule that week so that I have the energy and space for that time. And that's just like a tangible thing that helps so me beautiful. see people because I want to see people. And if I can do that, if I can get it on the schedule and far enough in advance and I can see it, then I can schedule around it. And then you can get those times, like you said, where you wake up and you feel like you have energy. I mean, when I get to have this time with my girlfriends, I drive an hour and a half to go see them totally worth it I will come home super late and I'm normally in bed by like 9 9 p.m I'm just like this is <laughs> bedtime but I will literally stay late and drive home late because I come back with just my body has like this release feeling and I have energy and I'm just all of the, all of the good things so that's that's like a tangible thing if you're looking for a way to get more of that in your life but without overwhelming yourself it also helps you if someone's like hey last minute can we hang out you've got, you know, right? You already know, no, I've already got something going on or I don't, you know, it gives you that op- opportunity to, to say, to say what you really need. I love that. I think that's such a great piece of tangible advice. And I, I mean, you think about it, like when you're at the dentist, you schedule your yep. next cleaning. Mm-hmm. When you're at the chiropractor, you schedule your next adjustment. Like this is something we do in health maintenance mm-hmm. all the time. Why don't we do it in like our relationships and mental health ma- and, like maintenance? I think, I think this just speaks to the fact like adult friendships are hard because we have so much going on and we have we're split in so many more different directions. Our priorities have changed, obviously, and they continue to change over time. But we have to schedule shit. We just we just do. Like even if you're not a crazy busy person, probably like someone in that group of friends is Mm -hmm. and you know no one wants it to be a situation where it's all revolving around one person or one person is having to like do all the planning and scheduling or it always has to be like a last minute get together or responding to a problem right someone's going through something tough and it's like okay we all got to get there like it it needs to be like we have maintenance is a thing we have to maintenance is a thing and it takes that in-person time and if it's a long distance relationship like set up the next time you're going to talk on the phone that's something that has actually really helped me in my long distance friendships is when we have like about to hop off the phone I'm like okay cool well when's another time we can talk like let's plan you know da 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 and it doesn't have to be like oh we talk every Thursday at 5 p.m like Mm -hmm. no that's that's not how life works um but also for me like once I have something on the schedule too if I need to reschedule it I will reschedule it right I, and that doesn't mean moving it around and not prioritizing it, but I just mean like it's already there. So it's going to happen right. even if I have to move it to a different place sure. and, and make that work. So um, that's just how I am in my busy life. It has to be, it has to be on the Google. Yes, calendar. exactly. But I think it's, I think it's <laughs> And so that's simple. okay. That doesn't make, it doesn't make the interaction less organic or less thought like it's actually like more intentional like you're setting time aside it's super important well, that's what you said be that intentionality in those relationships it's not just intentional in how you interact but also how you even schedule time to interact right and so yes. for like if it is just like a, I have a girlfriend I'm doing a Skype date with her on Monday and she and I are friends from college and we don't get a chance to talk to each other much but when we do we have these Skype dates right and it's like that's what works for our friendships we don't get to see each other in person very often she's got mm. kids she lives in Seattle like it's just 
it's craziness sometimes and getting away for a weekend can be difficult. So I think that's that intentionality in not just how you interact with each other, but scheduling it so that it actually happens. And like you said, I'm the same way. If it's already on my calendar and we reschedule, it's just shifting it, just shifting it to the next thing. But it's going to exist. Yes, but I did want to touch on one more thing um, to be certain that we talk about it. And that is um, because you talked about earlier, like friends going through hard times and not knowing what to do, et cetera. Um, And I wanted to kind of touch on friendships and grief because I think that's a super important topic. And so one big thing I wanted to say was um, the day that Lisa died, uh, I sent out a text message to a few very close friends um, and let them know just like in a couple of group texts what happened. And my friend Becca that I went to college with, she lost her father, or excuse me, her mother and her stepfather, who was like a father to her, um, within 11 days of each other. Like, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. And I did not know how to help her back then. I was probably the least helpful person. My first response to other people's pain is to make them laugh, to make myself feel better <laughs> because I don't know how to handle their intense emotions. Something I'm working on. Therapy is very useful for that. But <laughs> that day when Lisa died, within like 20 or 30 minutes of getting that text message, Becca called me. And... I later asked her about that and she said, you know, always call, always do the thing because you think you don't want to reach out to somebody because you don't know what they're doing or you don't want to bother them. But if they can't answer the phone, then they won't answer the phone and you can leave them a message and they'll know you support them. Like, so I think that's something we do really think about specific to grief, specifically to things like, um, like death or huge, like, um, losing a job or anything big like that that happens, I think it is on us, especially in that that those first moments, like make the call or drop off the dinner or, you know what I mean? Do that one thing and don't be afraid that that it's not going to be necessarily welcome. There are ways for you to do it without inserting yourself in the situation. If they don't want to talk to you, they won't answer the door. They won't, you know, they won't answer your call. And I do think there is something about that that we are not very good at in grief in general and how we support Mm -hmm. people but I think it is important like in those moments do what you can even that if even for Becca it was just a phone call she was amazing she we talked for like you know less than 10 minutes but it was exactly what I needed that day and if I didn't want to answer I just wouldn't have answered the phone that's it yeah so I think that's something I've been trying to like it's definitely part of my um one of my missions with Steady and Flight as well is just making that conversation around grief more open. And then on the flip side of that too, like once, once because being in grief, like those, those initial first couple of weeks, you like don't even know what you need. So that's why it's important that the people around you just show up and give what they can. And then eventually it's as the grieving person, it is eventually on them to say, this is what I need, right? Like on mm. some level. So um, I think on both ends of that, it's important to be aware of how to help in those hard situations. And having gone through this fairly recently, I know that there are still times I told I told my close girlfriends, I said, look, it's getting harder for me. I thought I would feel better by now. And this was about six months ago. And I was like, I'm actually feeling worse. And I could really use some support right now. And it looks like this. This is what support looks like for me right now. Mm. And they've all come through, like, absolutely. And that's been so beautiful. So those are the kind of the two pieces of that with friendship and grief. I love that. I, when I lost my dad, I was, uh, he was pretty young. I mean, he passed when he was 58. 
um, and I was 27. So uh, losing a parent hadn't really happened to any of my friend group. And I was away from a lot of my close friends because those were from college and I had graduated and we had moved back home from Colorado. And um, it was, you know, I, I think also and this is kind of a tangent, but talking about grief and just being there for people who are going through loss, it's so important to show up when everything gets quiet. Absolutely. Month two, month three, you know, the meals stop coming, Mm -hmm. the notes, the cards stop coming, everything is quiet and you're left there to sit in your thoughts and feelings and it's really hard. Um, Well, I think... And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean come distract me. It means like, you know, just be there yeah. and, and help and support. And that wasn't, I mean, I, I never knew to articulate that. Sure. I just knew, you, but this is it. When, when you go through a deep loss, like a close friend or a family member, um, someone else who's been through a loss, like they're the person who needs to carry what it means for your other friends to show up for you Absolutely. too. So if you have experienced loss, like use what you're what you've experienced to share with other people I mean there have been people in my life that um another not necessarily close friend but a family friend of my husband's uh lost her dad and it was very sudden and it was not necessarily exactly a similar situation but I mean they were thick as thieves and I immediately dropped everything and went over there Mm -hmm. and I didn't know her that well but I was like she needs someone who gets Mm -hmm. it and um and and that's something that I think you know, we all kind of come closer together as we experience loss in similar or even in different ways. But, you know, I, I, the, I have a friend who recently lost her son Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, stillborn baby. And it was something that rocked me and I know what it's like to deal with loss, but I do not know what it's like to deal with the loss of a child. So I immediately reached out to a friend who had lost a child and I said, how, what's the best way for me to be there for this person? Um, and I think that communication with other people in your periphery, I think is so important. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad that you brought that up and it's absolutely huge in friendship because grief is a tough time. Most people, and in my experience, like I pulled way back, Mm -hmm. I pulled way back and I was like, I don't need anything. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) don't bother me. Um, and I, maybe I didn't say that, but I definitely had like my resting bitch face hundred <laughs> percent of the time. And for me, it was a little different because that relationship ended and I had, I was angry yeah, with my dad absolutely. when, when I lost him. Um, and so I was dealing with a lot more layers to that. Um, and so, yeah, those tight friendships stuck around for people who maybe if they didn't know how to be there for me, they at least gave what they could when they could. And I think that was such an important point that you shared. So I think it's what you you said about the, the, when the quiet time comes, that was a really difficult part for me because I had friends that sort of stopped showing up in my life and then friends who actually like physically moved away because that was what their, where their life was taking them. And all of a sudden I looked around my life and I was like, where did my support group go? Like, where did all the people go? Here I am in like month four or five and I'm drowning and I have like, Kevin, who's amazing, my lovely husband, but he can't carry me. He can't carry all of this. Like I need this other support. And um, in that quiet time, I think part of the problem is, and this is something too that I just keep trying to like sort of break the stigma is in general, people think like, well, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want you to like, I don't want to like make you sad to think about it. And I'm like, no, I literally am always thinking about it. 
Like it's yeah. This is this is this will never be out of my mind. Yes, it's like it's it's like as if I could pretend for like one day that I don't have these feelings, and especially then, like I feel like now I'm a year and a half in, and I do have days where I think less about Lisa or she floats in and out, but in a like softer way. But in general, especially right then, like that, then those quiet moments, like people are afraid to reach out and say, how are you doing? How's your heart? Like, how can I support you? And because they're afraid to bring up the subject. And I remember feeling that way myself. I used to feel that way all the time. And now, like you said, there is that responsibility now. And I believe that's part of my, part of my mission with Steady and Flight is for other people to understand these things and to be able to help, to help their their friends help their friends right like that's I think that is something that we have to be thoughtful about and I think part of the problem is and again this kind of comes back to why adult friendships are hard in the first place when you're in your early 20s to early 30s like how many of us have really lost a parent right or lost a best friend or really lost anyone besides let's say our grandparents like that's the most of loss we've experienced you know and some people have had more and I'm not like negating that at all but in general like a huge percentage of people still have their parents then they still have their best friends and you know so people don't know how to navigate that with you they don't know how to help you through that and I think that's you're so smart to say like you have to sort of be the one when someone loses their parent to be and that's what Becca was amazing when she called me and later when we talked about it she's like make the call like be the one who's there and I was like that's what that that seems so simple but it's so true and we're so afraid to approach it we're so afraid what if I don't say the right thing like show up as you are do the best you can and if you don't know what to say say I have no idea what to say I love you but I'm here for you I love you I'm I'm here like tell me what you need if you don't know what you need tell me you don't know like that's okay here's what I can offer here's what I can bring here's what I can do I love I love that a lot of what you do with Steady in Flight is kind of giving words Mm, to this mm -hmm. um, and meaning to it because one of the things that I struggle with so much is I love I'm my love language is gifts Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I don't like by the way because it makes me feel super materialistic but I've learned over time that's not actually what Mm -mm. it means. Um, but so I actually, I love to give, like, that's one of my favorite things to do and having access to like a line of products that's dedicated to like nurturing friendship and, um, that whole process I think is just so beautiful. So I'm excited. I'm so excited to see what you're going to have in the shop. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. I'm working on a few items that like, um, friendship boxes where you can buy basically like a a mug and a candle and a matchbox and then like send it and I will send it as a gift to that person. Um, things like that, where it just makes it so much easier to sort of do those things like reaching out and gifts are a way, I think there's like those tangible things. And that's what I've loved about the friendship mugs is yeah, maybe it's just a mug, but it's not just a mug because every time I drink out of my anchor mug, I think about Lisa and I don't just think the sad thoughts, although that's certainly part of it sometimes, but most of the time I just think about, man, like she's my anchor. She's this person, right? I I drink out of both because obviously I I own a lot of mugs, (laughs) a lot of those mugs. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's some really fun stuff coming. And I, I think the biggest piece of all of this with Steady and Flight is it's the products are like the tangible version of all the things that are happening emotionally, right? That's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's the tangible of 
what we can't, we have a hard time saying the things that get yeah. like stuck inside of us. And I do, mm. words are a thing that I feel I, um, I always do say too, like Lisa's death made me a writer. I started writing so much more after she died. Um, and that has been very cathartic for me, but also other people have reached out and said like, you have said it in a way that I have felt but couldn't say myself. And I'm so grateful that God has sort of gifted me with this um, ability to process in, in this way that also allows other people to process as well. Yeah. yeah. As someone who doesn't always have the right words to say <laughs> or has trouble tapping into sure. those feelings, even though they're there, I think that's um, I love having that resource. Yeah. So I'm excited Thank to use you. your, your friendship boxes. Yes, they're going to be so oh. much fun. And you got to like choose what you want. And we're coming out with new candles, but the candles are special. And can I, I'm going to tell you guys about it because it's really exciting. The candles yes. have either an hotter or anchor. You've got those choices, but you also have candle labels with uplifting words on them. Like you are loved. And then you get to choose mm. what scent. So you just, you pick the label and the scent to go together. So it allows you to choose for your best friend. You want to make a friendship box that has an anchor in it and a you are loved candle and a matchbox. And, you know, you're able to then send that and it's personalized based on what your friend might need or how you want to love on them. So... I love that so Super much. Super exciting. Well, thank you. Thank you for being yeah. here and taking the time to chat with us today. I think this discussion is so necessary and I just feel so blessed that we have this space to be able to talk about it. Thank you so. for having me. I feel really honored to begin this conversation and hopefully it's an ongoing one. I would just love to, if anybody wants to reach out to me on the social medias um, or through email, I would love to just chat with people about this. I think this is such a it's such a hard topic and as we've talked about over and over again like navigating it can be really difficult and there's even stuff I know we didn't even touch on um that there's more, oh, darn. more difficult things Another I know um more <laughs> difficult things that just going through friendship and growth and all of that so I would love to be a place to be supportive to people for that I love it. I love it. Okay, so tell everybody where they can find you. Well, they can find me um, on Instagram and Facebook at Steady and Flight. And you can find me at steadyandflight.com. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and then if you want to check it. out my other blog, it'll be linked on steadyandflight.com, but it's called Dear Nancy Love George. And you can go to dearnancylovegeorge.com. Okay. We'll put we'll put a direct link all, to that in the show the notes. Places. And then and then also if you want to find Sarah's music on iTunes or Spotify yes. or all yes. those beautiful places, you can find her under Sarah Morris yes. and I will link to that yes. in the show notes as well. Yay. Um by the way, you should. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and I'm working on my second album right now in honor of Lisa. And it may or may not slightly be related to Steady and Flight. So you can also find me on Instagram for my music, though I'm not on there much right this second at Sarah Morris Music wonderful all right thanks for being yeah, here my dear you, Cassie. okay friends you made it to the end of the episode and we are so excited to have a discount code for all of you to check out sarah's new shop and get a few things for yourself and some friends so if you plug in rebel heart 15 you will get 15 percent off your order with steady and flight details are in the show notes and make sure if you guys love this episode, please like, subscribe, rate, review, head into iTunes, leave us a review and let us know how you feel about the podcast and what your favorite episode has been. We really appreciate those reviews. They allow us to move up in the rankings and reach more people with everything that we're bringing to you. So thanks for listening.
Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.